Paul sort of wrapping up his uh, first letter to the church in Thessalonia, church people just like us, and he's giving them sort of final instructions, but I think it's more than instructions. I think it's Paul's hope for them. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul leaves the church with that hope that they would rejoice always, that they would pray without ceasing, and that they would give thanks in all circumstances. And John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, gave instructions, and I believe hope, that we also would earn all we can, save all we can, and give all we can. So that's where we live as the church, striving to rejoice always and pray without stopping and, and giving thanks, no matter what the circumstances, earning all we can, saving all we can, and giving all we can. So we come this morning to talk about our commitment to God uh, through our giving, through our money for next year. And when I wrap up, if you wish, you can have an opportunity to fill out a pledge card and place it in a basket, or you can uh, mail it into the church if you've already mailed it in, we thank you. So what do we talk about when we talk about God and money? What we usually say is, well, all we've gotten is from God, so we should give God back a portion of that, a part of that. We often talk about a portion or a percentage, the goal being a tithe, 10%. And what does that mean? Is that before or after taxes or net or gross? What does it mean? It's, it, it's simple math. You know, if you make 50000 in a year, that's giving about 100 a week. Simple math, but it's not that simple, is it? Because everything with money gets a little complicated, doesn't it? I mean, come on, as the church, we tend to only talk about this at one time of the year, like we're, like we're some kind of dysfunctional family. You know, don't talk about Aunt Mabel. Don't talk about money. It's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because money seems to be everything. It's, it's everything in our culture. It's wrapped up in everything. So when you bring money into something, well, it just gets awkward or, or weird or gives us a, just a stop. So what do we talk about when we talk about God and money? We talk about our 
giving and the people that study uh, this, that sort of look at America and do the big ballpark like average income and church attendance, you know, say that the people that attend church regularly in America give about 2 to 3% of their income. So that simple math of doing 10% seems to be complicated. So then like 70% is left out or left on the table. What do we talk about when we talk about God and money? I don't think we ever really ask the question, does, does God need our money? That seems like an odd question, doesn't it? Why would God need the dollars that I have? Why would the God who created everything need the little bit that I have? Surely God can accomplish what God wants to accomplish without our dollars, right? Surely God can do whatever God wants to do without us. Does God need our money? And that's where we wrap the church in it. And then it gets even more complicated because surely we can understand that our church needs our money. Our church has to operate in the world and just like us, everything in the world costs money. Sometimes we can even go overboard and, and say, you know, well, I, I'm committed to my church. I, I want my church to thrive. I want my church to be there. I always want my church to be there. And we see our giving is to the church and we leave God out of it. You see, money gets in the way, doesn't it? Think of your own relationships. You have great relationships with family or friends, but if you start to loan or borrow money, it can literally ruin those relationships. It's, it's, just, a, it's, just, a, it's just a big thing a big thing in our, in our culture, in our world. I mean, Jesus went around talking about money all the time. He was talking about God, our relationship with God, praying to God, the kingdom of God. He was also most of all the time talking about money. But sometimes I think in Jesus' day, in Jesus' time, money wasn't such a big thing. So maybe it was easier to talk about God and money. So what do we talk about when we talk about God? Surely God doesn't need our money. No, God doesn't need our money. God needs us. And we come with money. God needs us. God needs you and I more than you can ever imagine. Because God loves us that much. Think of the people you love. How much do you need them? You need them a lot, right? You lean on them. They lean on you. They make, literally, they make life worth living. Multiply that by millions and millions, and you get the idea of how much God needs us. God needs us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come to make a way for us to come to him. Like God was sitting with some big empty warehouse and he wanted it filled. So he made a way for people to come in. God, God needs us not only in this life, but God needs us in heaven. He wants his heaven to be filled. He wants us to be in relationship with him now and he wants his heaven to be filled. Like he's having a big party or a big dinner and nobody was coming. 
So he sent his son Jesus to make a way for people to come, to come and suffer and die and be resurrected so that we had a way. God needs us that much. And when God needs us that much, we come with money. You see, all the devil has to do is to get our money separated from our faith. That's all he has to do. Like that 70% just goes away from our faith. And money's such a thing. It's such an awkward thing. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to, to deal with. And it, it doesn't seem to go with our faith. But when our money is separated from our faith, it has ripple effects everywhere. That the church is always striving short of money. Now, some people say, well, that's good. You know, if the church is always uh, striving for money, then, then it has to rely on God. You know, in this fall, we have uh, very exciting church meetings, and sometimes we're trying to pull, you know, income and expenses uh, together. And somebody always says, well, we have to rely on God. We have to have faith. God has taken care of this church for over 225 years, and God will always take care of this church. But when our money is separated from our faith, those ripples go out everywhere, you see. Some people only experience a church because of a fundraiser. Bake sales and cookie sales and rummage sales and fish dinners and pork and sauerkraut dinner. They literally think, well, the church is some group of people that's always fundraising. Their first experience of the church is not God or the love God has through Jesus Christ. It's some kind of fundraiser. And other people use it as an excuse. Oh, the church, they always want your money. All they ever do is want your money. That's all they ever want is your money. When our money's separated from our faith, the ripples go out everywhere. Other people look at the world and say, oh yeah, the church is there on the corner. What good does it do? There are still hungry people all over the place. There's people addicted in my neighborhood and all over the country. There's so much wrong with the world. It gives them an out simply because we leave so much of our money separate from our faith. You know, we can say that it's good that the church doesn't have enough money because then it can rely on God. But, but what about the opposite? Is the opposite true? You know, what if we had church meetings and we were saying, what are we going to do with all this extra money? What ministry can we start because people have given so much, we've got to do something good with it. If that was the case, would we walk away from God? Would we suddenly run out of songs to praise God with simply because we had extra money? Would we run out of scripture because we had extra money? Surely we wouldn't run out of good to do in the world. There's always more good to do in the world. Imagine if every church, every ministry, every Christian school, college, Christian hospital, if they were all fully funded 
what a difference it would make in the world. Then people wouldn't see the church as some group that fundraises, or they wouldn't see the church always asking for your money. They would say, look at that church. They're doing so much good. They're, they're giving out money everywhere. What would it look like if our money was right hand in hand with our faith? It would be amazing. Amazing.